But I just want to stay in in the attitude of worship that we're in. Um, I just I just sense God here, and if you don't, uh, I'm just telling you that the Holy Spirit's here. Hey, if you um, if you just had kind of a day or a week, it hasn't been great. Would you just be willing to be honest in this moment and just say, hey, that's me. I've had a pretty rough day. I've had a pretty rough week. Yeah. 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 Same. (laughs) Same. I want to encourage you that you made the perfect decision to be here. And... I just know that when we come together as a group and when we come together as a family, there's just something restorative about that. There's just something that God does when, when we get together. And um, I'm sorry you had a bad week. I'm sorry you had a bad day. Uh, whether it was out of your control or not. I don't know why I'm emotional. <laughs> like, nothing crazy happened to me. But I just sense that there's a heaviness in the room. And, and I could just tell that some of your minds are kind of being kept. And I want to address it because I just don't want you to miss out on what God wants to do in your life tonight. And I want you to know that this is a safe place for you. And uh, if you need prayer... Uh, towards the end of service when when I invite the leaders to come up to come up, I want you to know that we want to pray with you, but let me just pray one more time, Lord, um, I could just sense that there's a heaviness and a distraction in the room, and um Lord, I just ask that whatever it is, whatever kind of day or week that these leaders and students have that you would be true to your word and somehow make it good. You say you make all things work together for the good. Lord, so we love you and we're here for you. And so whatever it is, God, I just pray that uh, you'd sort it out. Lord, if it's financial, Lord, issues, Lord, I pray that you would be the provider that I know you to be. Because you have a heavenly bank account and and there's nothing you can't do. There's not a need that we have that you don't want to provide. And Lord, I pray that there's anybody that has any type of emotional baggage from this week or today. God, I pray that you would um, just be the lifter of their heads. Be the lifter of their burdens that are on their shoulders. And whatever that was said to them that made them feel a type of way. And they've come into this place and they're carrying it. Uh, God, I ask that you would remove that from them and release that from them, God, and encourage them and build them up tonight as we're here. And Lord, if there's anybody dealing with pain in their bodies, I know you to be a healer. You're a God who heals, not just then, but now. And so, God, I'm praying that even now, as we dive into your word, that you would touch them with your healing power because you're that kind 
And you're that gracious. In Jesus' name, everyone says, amen. I'm a gangster. I'll still cut you. Gross. All right. I want to do a little short series for you guys. And it's just going to be this week and the next two weeks. And uh, it's going to be about worship. Um, If you didn't know, before I took this youth pastoring job, I was a worship pastor. So that was kind of like my world. Um, I was the pastor Jason at my old church, just not as tall and as handsome and talented. (laughs) He was like, stop. I'm saying that because I'm making him play the whole service. (laughs) Tonight in the next two weeks, I want to briefly talk about worship, not the genre. Not the genre of worship, but the thing you and I were created to do. We were created to worship. It's easy for us to think of worship as a song or a vibe or a concert. But I'm here to remind you that worship is the way you live. We all know that. I'm almost 100% positive that Pastor Joey has preached on this. It's the way you live. What you love the most what you think about the most, what you do the most. And so this series focuses on this one verse. Let's read it. If you don't have your Bible today, throw it up on the sky Bible. Are you ready? That's, that's the logo for it. That's really nice. I like the way it looks. Here's Matthew twenty two thirty seven 37 in the ESV. I'm going to give you time to pull it up on your phone, on your glow Bibles. <laughs> if you got it, say you're... If you don't have it and you're looking for it, say, hold up. All right. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your what? Your heart. And with all your what? And with all your what? Mind. And he said to him, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. To simplify it even more, here's Matthew 22, 37, the message version. I like this version. It says, Jesus said, just so y'all don't get it twisted, who's talking right now is Jesus. He said, love the Lord, your God, with all your passion and through prayer and intelligence. This is the most important, the first on any list. Tonight's Message title is this, my heart, what do I love? My heart, what do I love? What do I love? What's happening here in this moment, just brief context, is Jesus is is basically getting grilled by scribes and Pharisees and Sadducees. They're basically saying, hey, Jesus, what's the most important law? Because these guys studied the law. The lawyer asking this question, hey, Jesus, what's the most important law? What's the most important commandment? Because there were some disagreements between what was important between all these different sections of laws and lawmakers and believers and things like that. And so they're trying to back Jesus in the corner to see if they could get him to slip up. Big sides. Jesus is so smooth. He's like, you want to know what the most important commandment is? Right? We all know the Ten Commandments, right? Y'all learned that in Compass Kids, right? There's probably like nursery songs about the Ten Commandments, right? He did, not, not one of the Ten Commandments does he say. He says this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. I got asked one time, 
what's the greatest challenge that I face as a worship pastor at the time? And you might think that the greatest challenge for me was deciding what songs to sing. Although that's like, you know, we got to think about that, right? What songs we got to sing up here. Uh, getting along with your pastor, right? That, you know, some churches you might not get along. I love my lead pastor. I love him with all my heart. Maybe receiving feedback from church members like Sister Mary Clarence always got something to say about the way you sing. You're like, listen, Sister Mary Clarence, um, I've got the mic and you don't, right? No. Uh, if you don't know who Sister Mary Clarence is, Google it. It's from one of my favorite movies of all time. It's from Sister Act. Maybe a challenge for me, you might think, is leading a team of unmotivated musicians or vocalists. You're like, we'll, we're never going to get better if you are unmotivated. Although those things are challenges, like those things are difficult, right, as a pastor, I told this person, I said, no, the greatest challenge I face as a leader is what I bring to this platform every Thursday and every Sunday. And that's my heart. That's the greatest challenge that we face as leaders on the platform. There's something that we bring every Sunday. It might not be a guitar, it might not be you know, sermon notes, but one thing for sure is as a leader, what we bring to the table wherever we go is our hearts. Our hearts. You bring your heart wherever you go. I learned that I could lead others in worshiping God and be worshiping something else in my heart. So it's true. It's true that you could come up here and be going through the motions of worshiping and not be actually worshiping at all. Because of where your heart is. That's why I kind of felt in the room that some of us are just hearts are heavy. And I just wanted to address that because I don't want you to miss out on what we're talking about tonight. So we're not going to be talking about music. We're talking about worship. And when I read this verse, I, I, I see worship written all over. You see, each of us has a battle raging inside of us of what we love the most. So there's a war happening inside of us. It's God or something else. And every single one of you, there is a war raging in your heart, your mind, and your soul over what you should love the most, either God or something else. Whenever we love or serve anything else in place of God, what we're doing, and I don't want to scare you with this word, but I want to bring you the truth. What we're doing is we are engaging in idolatry. Idolatry essentially is worshiping something else other than God as if they were God. That's idolatry. We love our idols. We all have them. I do. We all have them. We think they'll provide the joy that comes from only God. We think having them will truly satisfy us, and we think they're worthy of our worship. We all have idols. We all have those things that we go to, positive or negative. And so we run to those things, right? But we're wrong. Of course we're wrong. Those things can provide joy. They can't provide satisfaction, and they are not worthy of our worship. Throughout Scripture, 
Idolatry is the greatest trap that people of God encounter. So if you read scripture, there's a constant battle with the people of Israel and God's people with worshiping other things. The Israelites, this is in my notes, but the Israelites had just gotten freed from the Egyptians. They just saw God do so many crazy miracles. Part, one of them splitting a sea in half, walking on dry land through it. Moses goes up to meet with God to get the Ten Commandments, and they start freaking out because they don't know what Moses is. They're like, where is Mo? You see Mo? They're like, no, he's no Mo, right? Like, where, where is Moses? And so what they do is they, they ask Aaron, Moses' brother, and they, they collect all this gold, and they create an idol. And I asked myself this question. How could they do that? Like, they just saw God do some crazy stuff. The plagues, boils and frogs and locusts and fire and just all this craziness. Like, they just saw God split a sea in half. And here they are. Here they are. Like, Moses leaves them for, for however amount of time. And, like, now they're, they've created an idol. And I, I just remember, I'm like, how could they do that? And Jackie Hill Perry, she's a, 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 a hip-hop artist and a, and, a, and a poet, wrote the same thing. She goes, how could they do that? And God responded to her, and he said the same thing to me. He's like, you do that all the time. Like, you see me do miracles. You see me, you see me free people every Sunday when they come to know me. You see me do amazing things. And yet you're so quick to gather your gold, gather your items. And make an idol out of anything. I want to. I want to talk real quick about what idols do. Again, we're talking about what we love, and 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 I'm talking about idolatry because I want you to understand that 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 it's important to to direct our love and our affection the way it needs to, and we won't know what is God or who is God, who is the true God, if we don't expose the idols in our lives. So, like, what do idols do? Idols enslave us, and they put us to shame. So look at Isaiah 45, verse 16 on the screen. It says this. All of them are put to shame and confounded. The makers of idols go in confusion together. They just confuse us. Look at Psalms 106, verse 36. Look at the psalm. It says, they served their idols, which became a snare to them, a trap. Idols trap us. Even the Apostle John warned us, his readers, he says in 1 John 5.21, it says, little children, keep yourselves from idols. It's like, stay away from them. Idols are powerless to help us and end up making us into their own image. Psalm 115 verse 8. Do we have that? It says, those who make them become like them, so do all who trust in them. If they're powerless, and if they don't do anything, when we worship those idols, we, be, we just become like them. No power, no hope, no future. Even King David says this, we should hate idols and those who pay regard to them. That's Psalm 31. I don't have that up there, but 31.6. But too often, though, we ourselves are the idolaters. 
When some of us hear the word idolatry, we picture people bowing down to like statues and stuff, wood, metal, carvings, and stone. But idol worship daily here in the States, in modern time, it's, it's subtle. It's not so big. It's super dangerous from how subtle it is. Idols are all around us. Can you spot them? Can you spot idols? They come in different forms. Material comforts, financial security, sensual pleasures. Like even musicians, we have idols. We've got new gear. <laughs> Some of, New shoes. Some of us care a lot about it. Things like reputation, power, control. Even as this, as Christians, we sometimes like, you know, where people described here in 2 Kings 17, 33, it says, they feared the Lord, but also served other gods. We fear the Lord externally, right on the outside, doing all the right things on Sunday, doing all the right things on Wednesday or on Thursday nights, singing, strumming, jumping, lifting our hands and clapping, yet we're actively serving other gods throughout the week, and the reality of it is they're not gods at all. It's a condition, idolatry, that God is very animate on addressing, as we see throughout Scripture. So, what does this have to do with worship? Everybody take a deep breath. Hold it. Let it out. So, what does this have to do with worship? Because when I hear idolatry, it's like, oh, that's, oh, gosh, that's so heavy. So, what does it have to do with worship? Here's my one point. My one point is this. What we love most, we will worship. What we love the most, we will end up worshiping. While it's easy and simple to say that worship is love, it's a fact that what we love most will determine what we will genuinely worship. God wants to love him more than our instruments and our music. God wants us to love him more than our possessions, our food, our ministry, more than our wives, more than our children's, more than our moms, more than our dads, our jobs, more than our own lives. That's the commandment he's saying. That doesn't mean we can't love anything else, all right? I'm not, like, I'm not here to like step on you. What I'm saying, or, or that we shouldn't love anything else, but we can't love anything in the right way unless we love God more. I can't love Dottie the way God wants me to if I don't love him more. It's impossible. I can't love Dottie the way God wants me to love her if I love her more than God. And I love my daughter. I love my daughter a lot. God is saying, love me more. Our desires, they'll just be out of whack. We'll look to temporary pleasures like concerts and video games and sports events and just things to fulfill our eternal desires. We'll love things that aren't as worthy as God to be loved. So what am I talking about again? Whatever you love the most, you will worship. And those idols in our lives, those things that, that are just always there, that always call to us, we love. A harsh truth tonight 
is that you're worshiping that. You're worshiping that thing. How do you know what you love the most? Here's a question. Let me ask you some questions that I want you to answer internally. How do you know what you love the most? It's by looking at your life outside Sunday morning. What do you enjoy the most? What do you spend the most time doing? Where does your mind drift to when you don't have anything to do? What are you passionate about? What do you spend money on? What makes you angry when you don't get it? What do you feel depressed without? What do you fear losing the most? In my notes, I have to say, call the band up. He's already up. Our answers to those questions will lead us straight to the gods in our lives. When we answer those questions, which we'll pick back up on our XL Plus group questions next week, and I want to talk about those things, but when we answer those questions honestly, we'll get straight to what we love the most. What we love the most. And we'll soon find out that it's not God. It's not the God of the world. It's not the God of the universe. Take a moment for a second. Take a moment to think. For some of you, it may take a bit to see what answers come up. But for others, you know exactly what I'm talking about. When I say you love something else more than you love God, for some of you, it's like, oh, I don't really know. For others, it's you know. You know right away. When you, when you find that answer, how do you love God most is just put him first. Just put him first. Put God first. Place him first. For some of you, it's like, well, I don't, I like fun stuff. I like, I like video games. I like the sport that I play. Any athletes in the house? Right? Yeah. Some of you play. I love, I love the athlete, the student athlete, because like not only do you do school, but you also do sports. And that's like, it's a, it's a huge workload. And you, you have to dedicate yourself to your sport. Like you've really got to dedicate yourself to it. And there's some people that like live and breathe football or basketball or track. Whatever track stars you are, like good for you. You can run. All right, whatever. I can't do that. But like you love your sport. You do it. And I'm saying that's awesome. But if you think about that more than God, guess what? Tridal. Pastor Izzy, I'm trying to get a scholarship. Great. Love your sport. Love God first. Loving God first is only going to help you love your sport the way you should. If you love video games, great. Love God first. Love God first. Some of you are like family till I die. I like family. I, I, I've got time for my family. Like if they call, I'm there. You know, great. Love your family. Love God first. You can't love your family the way God wants you to love them until you love God first. Unless you love him the most. So those are like, happy, those are like positive things. What about, what about sin issues? 
What about what about the sin in our lives? It's time to replace false gods with the one true God. Because those those false gods, those idols, they'll only take from you. They'll only destroy you. I've been there. So wrapped up in prejudice and anger. I hated certain people. That was my idol. I thought about it all the time. And it only took from me. And the, the crazy thing is sometimes falling into that feels good. But when that moment was done, I was left with nothing. These idols, they're not here to help you. They're not here to save you. They're here to destroy you. They're here to distract you. And I'm here tonight to shake you up a little bit and say that thing that's pretending to love you doesn't love you. It hates you. And it wants to destroy you. And it wants to separate you from God. And I just remember getting to a point in my life where I got tired of bowing to something that didn't love me in return. And it took a youth pastor waking me up and shaking me and saying, hey, Izzy, you've got an idol in your life. And God is calling you to remove it. They want nothing for they want nothing for you. They want no future for you, but not God. God is kind. God is generous. I know God to be patient. I know God to be thoughtful. When I started refocusing my life as a student, I started seeing that when I love God the most, I start to fully understand that he loves me even more. And that all he wants to do is just give to me. Pour his love out onto me without expecting anything in return. So what is worship about? What is worship about? It's about loving God. The way we sing, talk, walk, live. The command that Jesus is giving is basically saying this. Worship God with all your heart, your soul, your mind. Because what you love the most, you will worship. Excel, my heart for you is that this altar would be full of heart worshipers. That when you come up here on Thursday, I want you to feel the freedom to say whatever happened today, whatever happened this week, doesn't matter in this moment. All that matters, God, is that you're here and I'm here and I love you and you love me and I'm just ready to be with you because I know that where your spirit is, there's freedom. There's mercy, there's grace. There's everything I ever need. And so as I saw some of you come in today, I just felt the need to remind you that God is all you need. And he only wants to be there for you. And he only wants to love you. He doesn't want to take from you. He wants to build you up. He wants to help you. And it's like we come into God's house. Like he's not here. And we have to fend for ourselves. And 
I'm here to say, no, that's not it. God welcomed you at the door and he walked you to your seat and through the power of the Holy Spirit, he's here with you. And he wants to be here for you and kind to you. But it's going to be hard to accept that love from God if we don't start to see that there are things in our lives that are fighting for our attention. For some of you here in this moment, you feel a tugging in your heart. That's God calling you. And in a moment, we're going to respond to that call to remove those idols in our lives. I feel so passionate about worship because worship saved my life. Someone asked me, well, actually, we had those conversations the other day. An anchor, what does it mean to be a Christian for us? And I get emotional because, like, I didn't grow up having a lot. You know, we were, we were kind of poor. And I was homeless a little throughout high school. And so when somebody presented the gospel in a way that said Jesus paid a price for you that you couldn't pay, I just, like, that, that struck a chord with me. Because I know what it is to have empty pockets. I know what it is to not be able to pay for myself. You know, it's embarrassing. Going, trying to get something to eat and your card declining. I said, wow, you must really love me then. You must really care for me. To die on the cross for my sins so that I could have the option of loving you and following you. With the chance that I could just say, hey, thanks for dying for me. I'm good. And he did it anyway. It changed my life. It changed my life. I love what worship does to people. I love what it does to a room. I love, I love that when we get into God's presence, like, like just, I, I, I can't understand the feeling. I, I can't explain it to you as well. But some of you that have, have experienced God in a deep way in a worship service, you know what I'm talking about. You know, you're like, yeah, I, I get that. Something about being in God's presence and just letting him just love on you. It just changes you. It changes everything. And so those, uh, uh, those idols in your life, I just, I'm so sick and tired of them winning. I'm sick and tired of, of students being tricked by the enemy into thinking that pornography is going to save them and make the pain go away. I'm tired of students getting tricked that drugs or alcohol is going to make the pain go away. It's going to make you feel better. It's cool. It's this. It's that. It's a lie. It's an idol that only takes, that only destroys. And, and when I think of student ministry, and one of, one of the reasons why Pastor Arrow and I took this job is because we started looking at culture and we started seeing what you guys are being fed. And we're like, that's a lie. That's not true. Those things don't love them. You're like, dang, Pastor Izzy, you're like, you're on one tonight. Yeah, because I love you guys. I love you guys a lot. And I so believe in you. And I so believe in your generation. And I want you guys to experience the love and the freedom that I found in loving God the most. And then being loved by him. So if you could do this. 
If you could do this, if you could just close your eyes for a second, just close your eyes. Just close your eyes. I want to read you what I wrote. I want to present the gospel to you. How do we love God the way we should? Where do we start with that? Where do we start with loving God the way we should? It starts with Jesus. You see, before Jesus, there were rules and laws that people had to live by. And if they didn't, it could cost them their life. You see, God hates idols. We see time and time again in the Old Testament, God striking down idols or punishing his people who worship the false idols. But because Jesus, those laws and those rules were fulfilled. And now we can be in a relationship with God. What did Jesus do? He lived a perfect life and in just three years of ministry made an impact on the world. His ministry exposed the idols and the things that people loved before God. And because of this, they unjustly crucified him on a cross. He willingly died for you. For you and I so that sin, these idols, wouldn't separate us from God any longer. Because that's what sin does. It destroys, it pulls us away from hope and peace and mercy. It isolates us. It's not about being a good person because in God's eyes, we're all sinners that have to pay the price of sin. And that price, the Bible says, is death. But the good news for us tonight, the news that changes everything, is that Jesus paid that price on the cross But it doesn't end there. Jesus rose from the dead on the third day because of this moment. We get to make a choice tonight. Love God and live with him forever. Or love the things of this world that in the end will only separate you from a place in heaven. And send you to a place that was never meant for you called hell. Tonight, will you worship the God who loves you and cares for you? Or the things that in reality want nothing to do with you? Tonight, God is calling you. And so if you have never had a relationship with Jesus, I want to invite you into that relationship. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you're here, you're like, I need, I need a relationship with Jesus because the things that I've been doing, they just leave me empty and I'm desperate for something and I'm willing to give this a try. If that's you, with no one looking around, I just want you to raise your hand. I just want you to raise your hand. Say, I want, I want a relationship with Jesus. I want to start loving God more than anything. I need his help. I see those hands. I see those hands. Awesome. Amen. That means God is calling you. That means you're responding to that. That's an amazing thing. Anybody else? For the first time following Jesus. Now for my second call, if I could do this. If everyone can just look up. Look up at me. Can I get the band up here? We got some time. I want to respond to this. I want to respond to this. And I'm going to have you stand in a moment. And we're just going to respond to this 
this call of removing those idols from our lives. And if you raise your hand, if I can have all my leaders up here, actually, we'll stop. Not yet. Because I think leaders need to respond to this. Because I do. And I'll start. I love my Xbox. (laughs) And I love playing it. (laughs) And sometimes it distracts me. Sometimes YouTube and social media distract me. And the Lord's been convicting me about it. Say, hey, Izzy, maybe that's, maybe that's an idol. Because sometimes those things take me away from the things that I should love before them, and that's my wife, and that's my daughter. And I'm publicly saying this because I want to be held accountable by my wife who's sitting here. And I've been thinking about this today. But those are idols in my life that I need to love God more. And so, as we sing just over and over, probably just the, the, the chorus and the bridge, when you're ready, because I'm not going to force you to do this. I'm not going to emotionally manipulate you to coming down and, and, and just going through the emotions. No, I told you the truth, that God loves you more than anything in this world. And he just wants to be with you. If you're ready to to set aside those idols, if you're ready to love God first more than anything, I want to invite you to the altar. Only if you're ready. So if you, whenever you're ready, you say, I'm ready to do that. I'm ready, I'm ready to love God first. I'm ready to finally get rid of the things that don't do anything for me. I'm ready to do it. I'm tired of the enemy's lies. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being sick. Because some of these things, some of these idols, they're making us sick. They're making you sick. They take up your energy. They take up your your thoughts, your mind. And so once you get up here, I just want you, I just want you to begin to just pour your love out on God.